What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 21 of Trinity Music, a hip-hop podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Christian. For those new to Trinity Music, we are a weekly podcast which discusses the newest in hip-hop and rap music with episodes dropping every Wednesday. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trinity Music Pod. And if you have questions, comments, or concerns you want to air to the podcast, you can email us at trinitymusicpod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our YouTube channel where we've started putting out video content like our review of West Side Boogie's Outside and other reviews of some albums or songs that we don't have time to get to on a podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be sidelining our vinyl format in exchange for part one of our year in review series. In this episode, we are going to give our respective top five albums of the year, counting down from five to one at the same time, and we'll also be giving some honorable mentions that were not quite strong enough to crack our top five, but still worth a mention. So, Christian, I wanted to start off before we started getting into our list here. Very, very broad question. You can take it any way you want. What did you think of hip-hop music in 2020? Where to begin? Hip-hop in 2020. Not disappointed, not overly impressed, but had a good time. Let's just say that it's the first year that I've dove so deep into the music and digested it as more than just that. It was almost not necessarily a job, but it's like I had to sit down and evaluate everything I listened to in a sense that it was more to me than just a song that came out from the artist. What what was the meaning behind the song? What was the meaning behind the album? I felt like... I grew as an individual listening to music in 2020. So I have to say it wasn't the best of years in terms of content, but it was definitely the best in terms of evolution in my digestion for music. Yeah, I think part of that has to do with the fact that not many big acts dropped this year. And I think that's especially true for the last two, three months where it seemed like everybody pushed off their albums into 2021. It's weird because some of the best-selling albums of this year, I don't think either of us consider some of the best albums of the year. You know, I think we're both like, we think Juice World's Legends Never Die was decent, but not incredible. Eternal Take by Lil Uzi, that's just not our lane. Yeah, Music to be Murdered By by Eminem was fine, but you know, it's all right. You know, it's still, it's still music that we enjoy, but it's same thing, Dark Lane Demo Tapes, great album, not the best of the year, of course. It's just, there's so much out there. Even we have to, we have to bring it up man on the moon three man all this music that's been coming out all year long it's not necessarily you know the best of the best yeah so i guess we just didn't have that perfect overlap of like the venn diagram between something that was extremely commercially successful but also like really freaking good you either had something that was successful and kind of catchy but maybe lacked a little bit in terms of quality or you had something that was really 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 good but because it didn't have that commercial appeal or any that much staying power, really, it kind of just, you know, we had these weeks when these albums would come out and it would just, you get excited for the album Wednesday, Thursday, it'd come out Friday, you listen to it all weekend. But by Tuesday, it'd be, I know we do a weekly podcast, so it's always on to the next week. But some of these albums just kind of came and went. And I think that's because, you know, the, again, the more popular artists that they either didn't drop or they dropped something that was all right. And then the more low-key guys, because there's just not that much of a buzz about them, the album's just like a Spillage Village album, right? Like, I think we really enjoyed it when it came out, but it also just kind of came and went. Absolutely. Uh, another good example, let's say the, the higher-ups, the, the names that are people are recognizing. Uh, Lewis Street, for example, 
from J. Cole. It wasn't something that just came and went. It was so short, but to me, it was still something that's noticeable to this day. You know what I mean? It's not going to be the same principle with an artist like this necessarily than I would say, uh, well, I, I guess like you had mentioned, just something that kind of comes and goes. Yeah. And all those, like some of the bigger guys, like, so J. Cole dropped two tracks, right? For Lewis Street and yeah. Drake, Drake dropped a couple songs here and there. Of course, Dark Lane demo tapes happen. Joey Badass had the light pack, right? He came with three songs in July or whatever. And it was again, kind of in and out. And, but for the most part, yeah, it's so, and we're going to get into, we're going to start like transitioning now to the top albums of the year. I think in general, this group of, you know, six, seven albums we're going to talk about, they're all really freaking good albums. And like, I want to make sure we don't lose sight of that. But in terms of an overall picture, I think this was better than 2019. That's for sure. But 2020, it did leave a little. Now I get why it's COVID and all that. But so let's just, let's leave it at that for now. So before we get into our top five, I wanted to like go over some honorable mentions. And the reason we're going to do this is maybe there's an album that you just really loved that you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be albums. You rank number six, seven, and eight because we're doing our top five. But just one you want to give some love to that you really, really enjoyed for a specific reason or whatever reason you want, really. So, Christian, run through me. What were your honorable mentions? Let's just. What was your first honorable mention? So definitely the first one. I'm going to have to give it to Chica, her Industry Games album, and this is a standout look back kind of album and i honestly mean this because i've never expected to hear something of this kind of it was a surprise nothing more than that she has talent that can't go unnoticed i just had to have her up here as like an honorable mention because the fantastic flow the great lyrics just you know the no this is a talented artist who will go far and i'm excited to see what other music she's going to drop in the future yeah, I 100%. I also had Chica's Industry Games as part of my honorable mentions. And this is something you've actually mentioned before on the podcast, the idea that some of the newer hip-hop artists are just not hitting us the same way it used to back in the day. So for a brand new artist, again, she made XXL's freshman list. Mm-hmm. To, so she comes right out of the gate and makes something that was so good and so listenable and enjoyable was such a phenomenal switch up from some of the newer artists that we get to these days. And again, she might not be the most popular artist in the world or she might never get to that level, but damn, she was so good. And if you're not sold on Chica yet, I suggest you go watch her tiny desk concert on NPR's YouTube channel, because that really shows you how good of an artist she actually is. That said, because it was only really just an EP and just over 20 minutes, that's why it didn't get too high up on my year end rankings. It's still probably and I might do a YouTube video on this later. It, it, she would, it's probably somewhere in the low teens, I would say, but not g- quite good enough to be a top five album. So it's funny enough, we both had her in our honorable mentions. Christian, give me your second honorable mention. All right, don't bite my head off for this one because it, <laughs> it, it took a long time before I was able to make the decision. And unfortunately, it, it, it had to be what it, what it is. Run the Jewels four is going to be my next album up for the honorable mentions and i'm a big fan of rtj they've been in my heart since day one i can't help but say that this is definitely one of their best albums yet but in comparison to some of their previous work i don't think it's entirely in my top favorites Mm -hmm. fact is i was fighting like i said with myself on what i preferred listening to more and then 
I had to drop them out of my top five because the fact of the matter is RTJ will always have some competitive edge over other artists I've grown to love. But in this case, I just couldn't seem to wrap my head around what made this album tick for me. And so I couldn't justify it, and I had to keep them in my honorable mentions. It, it was a fight for the top rankings, man. It just yeah. When I think about RTJ, I think about RTJ too, and that album to me is glorious. Yeah, no, I, I'm in the same boat with you. I, I'll just say you'll be hearing from me about RTJ for later in the podcast. Um, it, it's a bloodbath. These this top five. I'm not gonna lie. Again, it's not the sexiest names, but if you're really into hip hop, once you get to like. I think my top, top 11, like you can honestly swap four and 11 for me. And I'd be like, you know what? I totally respect that decision. So it sounds like they were just on the edge of your top five. So again, you will hear my RTJ for points later on in this podcast. That's just my little tease. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Christian, give me then your third and final honorable mention. So my third and final is more of a, a split mention, but to go specifically towards uh, an album in particular, I would say the price of tea in China. Nice. And the reason being is because the Alchemist and Boldy have had this wild year and we've been trailing both of them pretty much the entire summer up to this point. I think it's safe to say that the price of tea in China is a work of art and it can't go unnoticed. And it requires you to definitely show your appreciation for the time and effort that's put in from both the producer and the artist himself. This is without a doubt, one of the best rap albums of the year, but it's not, it just doesn't have that, that tick again yeah. to get it into the top five, but I, I can't forget about it. I, I never will, especially because I've become so fond of both the alchemist and Boldy. It's just, it's a done deal, man. Yeah. They were also, this album is also painfully in my honorable mentions. This was this for me, this was probably the toughest cut out of the top five. I think at one point I had it up a lot closer to number one and it didn't get worse. Just other albums started to slowly progressively get better. Yeah, it's some of the best chemistry between a rapper and a producer I think I've ever heard. The collection of beats that The Alchemist put on this album are the best of the year. I've said that before on the podcast and Boldy is the perfect driver for all these tracks. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's honestly, it's it's just just squeezed out of my top five. And it's a lot less about what it didn't do and more about what the other albums did do. So then before we get into our top five, I have one more honorable mention. So yours were Chica's Industry Games, RTJ4 by Run the Jewels, and Price of Tea in China by Boldy James and the Alchemist. I also had Chica and Boldy James and the Alchemist. My third honorable mention here is Amine's Limbo. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So I think, yeah, I, I feel like, I know I've been extremely positive on this album. And I do think it's in my top 10. You know, I'm still working on where exactly it would fit in, but I think it's comfortably in the top 10. But also, I was comfortable enough to not have it quite in the top five. I think the replay value on this album is incredible. Mm-hmm. I find, like I mentioned, since we started doing this podcast, I do find there's a bit of a detox period after we review an album where we probably, I don't know about you, but I go away from an album for like a month. Absolutely. And then sometimes it comes back in and I start listening to it again. And other times it just never comes back around. Like I know like you never have to listen to ASAP Ferg's Floor Seats 2 ever again in my life. Who? Exactly. But then there's other times where like, even there's like the the really good albums. Like I can't say I've gone back to King's Disease that much this year. No. But Limbo is just one I just kept coming back to all the time. You're taking the words right out of my mouth, man. Yeah. So it just, it has this stretch here 
where you know what i'm i have a feeling you're gonna bring it up in your top five so i'm just gonna hold back a little bit do you have anything to say about that you're definitely right on track (laughs) yeah i Maybe maybe we could save a little bit of the All information right. for a bit later. But I see your point. And you know what's funny? Because as I brought up RTJ, I was thinking pretty much the same thing. Yeah. You're going to have your point to make and I have my point to make. So fair, it's perfectly fine. Fair. fair. Yeah. Again, it's I think I do think again, I was listening to Limbo as I was listening to all these albums in preparation for this podcast. Absolutely. It's just honestly that section right after pressure in my palms. It's those final four or five tracks. And I do think this uh, track Mama and oh, I'm blanking on the final final song on the album, but those two. My Reality. Yes, My Reality. Thank you. Those are two really good songs. It's the other three around it. The Summer Walker track, I'm not a big fan of. Becky, I'm not a huge fan of. And Fetus, I'm not a huge fan of. Anyway, we'll have, again, I'm sure we're going to have a limbo discussion in a little bit. Okay, so the time has come. Let us get into our top five. We're going to count down from five to one. Christian, what was the fifth best album of 2020? <laughs> So, like I said, I had a bit of a fight with myself over this, but it was Limbo. When I think about an album of the year, I think about what has he contributed throughout this year in terms of, say, features, the albums he's put out, singles, whatever he could do or she could do to stand out. The playtime of the album or the song, whatever it is. How many times have I been listening to this song? How many times have I replayed this album? Do I get bored of it is it something that i'm just gonna listen to once and it's gonna be thank you goodbye how much time am i investing as a listener and then the value of the music itself if i'm listening to limbo it would really just fit all of that it ticked off every box maybe not necessarily you know what his contribution has been throughout the year because this has to definitely be his highlight it is a sophomore album. He's done a fantastic job. He's come up a long way. There, this guy has done this kind of progression that we don't see in a lot of artists. And, and I feel that he demonstrates it not only through his talent, but just through the fact that he's, I guess you could say, nonchalant. The guy dropped this 14-track album fantastic and then three months down the line he's brave enough to drop a deluxe which isn't so bad either this points to somebody who has i guess you could say the balls to really just step into the industry and do things the way he wants to do it and he's doing a fantastic job at it i don't get bored of this album and what's funny is that when i first listened to it i would have never thought this would have been in my top five never Mm -hmm. ever and and after just mowing it over and over and over again i would i had the song can't decide stuck in my head for weeks yeah and it just just never stopped and that right there told me i gotta go back and listen to the album and and just ingest all of this good music and that's what i did and this is why he's hit number five for me yeah absolutely i agree with all these points i think that stretch from woodlawn through pressure in my palms there's not a miss i think it's it's six or seven songs but it goes woodlawn then you have roots can't decide I think it's compensating, shimmy, another great song, uh, Riri, and then pressure in my palms. Like it's incredible. There's no misses in there. They're all hits. Mm-hmm. And then like the op- the opening track is incredible, Burden. And like I mentioned, the closing track I really like with my reality. It is an album. I'm very much in line with you where it says when it came out, I'm like, oh yeah, this is really good. I like this. This is definitely Mina's best album. And then it just so that's August, right? Mid August, it comes out, and by like the middle of September, I'm like. 
that's those songs are still stuck in my head like woodlong is just a banger and like the beat switch on pressure my palms i started coming around to a little bit more and i feel like there there are times when we do these reviews again they're so quick three four five days after and sometimes people have their minds made up within 12 hours which i think is completely ridiculous for some of these albums that we need to have some perspective sometimes and yeah limbo is definitely an album that benefited from you know oh let's let me come back to this on labor day and like how did i think about oh well actually you know what Woodlawn is probably the best song on the album now after compensating. And then like my reality, like that outro there, it's so beautiful. And then the auto tune bridge he has on the second verse, like there are so many moments on the album. Again, I had it as an honorable mention, but I, it's might be and if and we're talking like my favorite albums of the year, it's top three. So what about your top five, Jordan? What do you have ranked as number five for this year's album of the year? Yeah, it's uh man, it, it hurts to put this album at five, but like it's just anyways. From King to a God, Conway the Machine. You know what? I have to I, I'm not gonna cut you off, just quickly say he is definitely he was fighting, man. He was fighting to get up there and I, I felt it, but I just I couldn't do it, so I'm happy you did. Okay. So this album is it's in consideration for album of the year because you know, Conway he had slowly been building up all year. Right, we first started with Lulu with the Alchemist, and then we got No One Warns the Wicked, and then there's just this killer to open the album, this killer Derringer beat with the track from King, and then he immediately switches gears into a Hit Boy beat on Fear of God, and then more towards the end of the album, we have a DJ Premier beat on a track like Nothing Less, and I think that perfectly exemplifies how nothing phased Conway on this album. It doesn't matter what type of beat, and then there's like the Murder Beats track right halfway through Anza. He is just so good at adapting to different types of beats on this album here. And not to give too much away, but the rest of my top five, each album is produced by one guy. But From King to a God is the exception to that. And that shows how strong of an artist Conway was on this album right here. So my favorite song on the record was Lemon, mostly probably because of that Method Man performance. Oh, so good. So good, man. He had Meth had some like some solid verses this year, but nothing comes close to it. The the opening line where he has about you know, uh, it's a black tint, black tims you ain't CNN. It's just it's otherworldly to be honest. And then there's other features littered throughout, like I mentioned earlier, Fear of God with the Dejloaf hook is just such a and the way they constructed that song was just so great. And then the El Camino appearance, I'm forever dropping tears. It just goes on and on and on. One last point then on this album. I don't want to bet against Conway making a better album than this because I think he showed continually that he can make great albums. Absolutely. But I definitely think this is going to be one that it's always going to be in contention for the best album that he will ever make. I, again, I I, th- I think he'll top it eventually. And it might happen in three months because that's how often Griselda drop. But right now, I do think it's the best album he's ever made. And for me, that was good enough to be the fifth best album of the year i just want to add one quick thing this album is a huge staple in rap and to me it's defined strictly as a gangster rap album the griselda guys always give off this impression with their music and it's incredible that we're able to get such good good development out of them honestly if all of griselda could be up here it would just be you know it'd be a match made in heaven but realistically you know we have to listen to everything else and kind of find a balance but we're such big fans it's hard to you know pass this up 
Yeah. And then just, I, I know we talked about the production a little bit for this album, some of Conway's best lines. And again, there are so many good Conway lines and it's honestly not even about like the rap, the, the rhyming, I should say, but so lines like I'm about to have Paul Rob Peter to pay me. I do their streaming numbers with the vinyl and the CDs. And then my favorite one lyrics written in Braille. You got to feel it to understand. Again, there's nothing. These are three different lines, by the way. They're not from the same song. They're throughout the album. It's not even about the technical rhyming, right? That's that's something that like an Eminem, if this was an Eminem review, it'd be about how like this crazy like internal compound rhyme scheme would be going. And that's something incredible on to its own right. But Conway here, again, he rapped his, his actual literal rhyming is decent, but it's having bars like that. And my number four album is similar to this, but there's those lines where it's just like, damn, like, how did you think of something like that? It's just, it's so perfect. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's move on here. Keep the pace going. Christian, what did you have as your number four album of the year? Unlocked from uh, Denzel oh, Curry and Kenny Beats. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'll just, I'll jump in quickly here. Cause I did not have this one ranked. It's uh, it, it'll, again, if I do, I think I'll do the video and it'll be in that, those videos of the top 25. I think ultimately it's just probably too short of an album for me, but Denzel's chemistry with Kenny and Kenny's weird funky beats and Denzel changing his voices from DMX to ODB loved it. So tell me why it's number four. So I knew you were going to bring up the length of the album. That's a big factor a lot of the times. And I I realistically, I understand, but in this case, I just, I couldn't pass it up. He has a long lineup of fantastic music from the past. His variation and style the type of beat, his lyricism, literally anything and everything involved around his music has changed drastically over a period of years. And Unlocked is a fantastic project because it deserves to be recognized just for the sheer effort and fact that Denzel can literally do anything he wants and his fans will follow. Yeah, That's all it is. Kenny Beats is another noticeable point that just makes this short but sweet album thrive over so many other projects. Like, Don't get me wrong. I love Zoo, I love Taboo, I love Imperial, I love all of his music. But Unlocked came out early this year, and I have not even let it go since the beginning. So that right there is a perfect example of something that's worth being album of the year. Okay, so question then, again, because this is coming from someone who, again, I didn't have Unlocked rank, so I know what my answer to this question would be. Is it Denzel's best album? Is it better than, I don't know if you have Taboo or Imperial at one, I'm assuming it's one of those two, but is an unlock better than either of those albums? It is not. And that is perfectly fine because his variation in style is what makes it worth being ranked at least in his top five. But I mean, put it this way. There's no way that this eight track album could ever, you know, strive over Imperial or even Taboo just because those two albums, I guess you could say are two opposite spectrums of who Denzel is as a person. I mean, you've seen this guy rant on Twitter. He goes from being super positive to just being this pissed off rapper. And it's it's awesome. There's two perspectives to look at. And he does that in his music. Unlocked, it seems like he's not as angry as he used to be. So I feel as though this album's got a little bit more pep to it versus listening to, say, Imperial or even Taboo, which is quite dark. So yeah, to answer the question straight up, no, it'll never be his best album. It's a good project, though. That's for sure. 100%. And then one final shout out for Unlocked. Definitely my favorite cover art of the year. That shit was so cool. Yes, it is, man. 
All right. So now let's hop into my number four album of the year. And it's, and I feel like you have this one ranked, uh, maybe even higher. It is a number four, Burden of Proof from Benny the Butcher. Mm-hmm. Do you have this one ranked? Yeah. It's uh, sitting a little bit higher. Okay. All right. So you know, we'll, we'll save, we'll save our Benny the Butcher, Burden of Proof discussion then for when we get to yours. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's jump into, I'll, I'll, let me, let me do my number three then. All right. So, and a number three, I have Mac Miller's Circles. Nice. I have Mac Miller's Circles sitting at three as well. All right. Symmetry. I love it. All right. So, yeah, no, this was a little, this album's a little special to us. It's the very first album we reviewed on the podcast. And it is, again, my, my opinion on this album. Now we've had a lot more time with this record. It's been January since it's been released. And then we did the, episode on it in august and now we're talking about it again in december so i feel like i have a complete view on this album mm-hmm. it is for sure the smoothest album of the year and it's just it's a it's so beautiful to listen to between max singing and john bryan's production there's just not a moment like that we want you want to skip you just want and that's why i have it on vinyl and it's just it's perfect thing to play because it's just it just goes on and on and on and this was something that i think in our review of it adam mentioned that you know it's you were talking or i was talking about a sunday morning album and adam's like no it's just it's an album you can play whenever you want and i find that to be the case it's like it's an album i tend to play more i'll be honest when i need to calm down when i may be feeling (laughs) too stressed you know so that's that that's when i tend to play the album but you can also play it on like yeah a quiet sunday or whenever really like um, at the end of the day something like that something to maybe just unwind a little bit (laughs) It's funny because I was just thinking the other day I was listening to the album while sitting in traffic and all I had going through my head was, well, this is what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love it, man. It's it's fantastic. I don't know if Circles would be considered his best, but mm. there are a lot of factors that define this as being one of the best albums ever created because you think about how unique it is in every way from the sound down to the messages behind the music. It stands out. Even if we don't call it rap or hip hop per se, say we were to start over right now and say, this is what he would be doing for the next couple of years. Then maybe I'd consider it to be the best of those albums to come. But circles will always be that one standout album that I'll say, this is something you have to listen to. And I'm, Almost certain that most people would enjoy it. A hundred percent. I I think it's Mac's best album. Watching movies with the sound off and faces are both right up there, as probably swimming is as well. And then I'll always have a soft spot for kids because that's the first time I ever heard Mac. But yeah, in general, you know, I've, there's so many great songs on this. You think of, you know, throughout the album, Mac sounds like a guy who is pretty aware of his issues, but he's trying to find some elements of hope because he wants to feel better as we all should. Right. So Absolutely. good news is like the best example of this, right? The hook where, you know, fantastic it's song, good news. That's all they want to hear. They don't like it when I'm down, but when I'm flying, that makes them so uncomfortable. So what's the difference uh, between every line? Mac is vacillating between positive and uplifting commentary to one that is negative or bleak. And of course that makes the album so bittersweet to listen to because of ultimately what happened to Mac and you know it was clearly you know it's a song like you know once once a day that's i I have a soft spot for that track and it's probably because of the video of mac 
actually performing the song in the studio. So it like the song was completely done and written before he passed away. It's almost a hopeful song to end a really melancholic album. And you know the the line where it's and I, I think I used the same line here from on episode one. So but it, it deserves to be repeated. You know, don't keep it all in your head. The only place that you know no one can ever see. You're running low on regret. No tears that's keeping you wet. I think you're getting it now. Hey, it's, it's it's sad to talk about because we don't have Mac around anymore. But he, both between being so keenly aware and being a guiding force and through something that's ultimately tragic, but he always had hope, it seemed, on this album. And the production, of course, from John Bryan. We don't have to go over it again. If you know, we we talked about it on episode one, but he is so good. And the, the instruments that John Bryan plays, it's so much better than having some of these DAWs going. There's there's so much texture to the record that we might have not gotten otherwise. So in this sense, it's a perfect mixture having Mac and John Bryan on this. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's cool there. We both had it at number three. Yeah, what a phenomenal album. And I honestly, like I at one point I was considering, hey, like maybe we don't consider Circles because maybe it's not enough of a rap album, but... It doesn't matter. Yeah, we reviewed it on this podcast here. It's made by guys, primarily made rap music. The way he wrote some of the songs, like there are rap verses in it. So yeah, 100%, number three, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we're getting to uh, some of the big ones here. Christian, number two, what do you got? Burden of Proof. Hell yeah, all right. So this was my number four. Okay, tell me why, sir. Straight up, if Burden of Proof is not the best shit that Benny can provide, then I think I'll have to restrain myself as his next album comes out because, <laughs> Lord, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> this album is just stupid good. I can't even formulate a proper sentence to describe how much I love listening to this project. I mean, so far to date, I have to say it's his best work without a doubt. I have consistently listened to this album over and over again. And the funny part is, is that my favorite two tracks are Burden of Proof and Legend because every track in between that, I like to. <laughs> it just doesn't stop. Burden of Proof is a masterpiece in terms of rap music for me, to my standard. I I have not gotten something like this since back in the day when I was just introduced to, say, Wu-Tang, and they're like, here's 36 Chambers. Enjoy the rest <laughs> of your life. <laughs> I love this album, man. Yeah, I, I have such a I there's no words that they can describe how much good I get out of listening to this. And Griselda is just there to provide me with this mm, vibe that I just can't get enough of. Yeah, it's just it's it's not fair how good Benny is at rapping on this album. Oh, no. Like with Conway, I'm not going to bet against Benny putting out a better project. But if this is as good as it gets with Benny, then like. I'm totally fine with that, man. Like he was able to make the first Griselda project that had some level of crossover appeal. And it wasn't on honestly, like it wasn't really by design, but by Benny growing into like a new era Jay-Z, like he and he carries it out throughout the entire album. Again, like we mentioned this on our review of the pod uh, on the podcast. I think it was episode 12 where we did this. And I think it's probably the best example all year of an artist making it making rapping sound effortless and easy when it's actually like the furthest thing from that so his flow on like the two tracks you actually mentioned like legend or burden of proof he's just so much in his element and like the opening line of the album right last year was about brandon this one about expanding 
caught a flight to Cali, made 24, I landed. This rap shit, easy. Tell the truth, I can't stand it. <laughs> and then he just like floors you for the next 35 minutes. Like I just, like Conway and Benny at this point, rapping is just easy, man. Like you're just going to talk about your life and sound cool while you do it. It's really not that easy. If it was that easy, so many other people would be doing it. But the way Benny is just like, he, I have no better way to explain it other than like, he was like a modern day, 2000, 2001, maybe like, maybe not that late, maybe like 98 through 2000 Jay-Z, but like ship him to Buffalo and make it 2020 and put Hip Boy on the entire album. And that's what we got with Burden the Proof. All right. So not to belabor the point too long on Burden the Proof, but I feel like it deserves again. I had a number four, you had a number two. So maybe just go a smidge longer on this one. I thought... You know, there's one point here. Benny actually gets kind of personal on the album, right? Tracks like Thank God I Made It, Over the Limit, Trade It All. We get a different side of Benny, but the way he delivers his verses and the incredible production from Hip Boy that we're going to get to at one point on this year-end reviews, it just makes it all sound so genuine. Like there's nothing about it that sounds fake or forced. And so, like, you know, Thank God I Made It, it's one of the moments on the album where Benny caught me completely by surprise. It is such a genuine song. And while his second verse might not be as eye-popping as some of the other verses he's dropped on the album or on his features, it's just, it's so well-written, right? And then a closing track like Legend, which we've both brought up a couple times now, I feel like a song like that will signify this moment in time for Benny, right? He has already made it, right? He's already, he's a legend now, but that he's about to like get the, you know, the what's the mushroom in Super Mario where he just starts glowing or is it the star in Mario? Christian, help me out here. Exactly. That's, that's where we're at right. That's where we're at right now with Benny. That's what, that's what legend signifies. Me. Like, oh, that's it. It's like, it's, he's like off to the races now, like the next 2021 for Benny, he's just going to clobber people. Okay. So now let's move into what my number two is. And that is Freddie Gibbs and the alchemists. Oh, what? Alfredo. Number so, two. Yeah, so by your shock there, Christian, does that mean you have Alfredo at number one? No. Wait, where the hell do you have? Do you not have Alfredo ranked? Yeah, it's number one. Just gotcha. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Scared the shit out of me there. All right. Okay, so listen, Alfredo, right? This yeah. album is like, this album is a masterpiece. I like Again, it comes down to, and like the albums that we've started talking about, maybe Circles is an exception because it did fairly well commercially, but because Mac is no longer with us, it doesn't feel like it had, it didn't stick around in the ethos the way it normally would. It doesn't matter about Freddie Gibbs and the Alchemist and Alfredo. I know it, it sold whatever, but when you ask someone like, hey, what was 2020 in hip hop? Like, bring them this album. Because in a year where we had some incredible rapper-producer combos, you got to think of Savage Mode 2 or The Outrunners or like The Price of Tea in China that we mentioned earlier. Alfredo was by far and away the best of the bunch Freddie, he doesn't miss on this entire album. Comes out flying, right? On 1985, where he doubles times most of his verse, which behind this like slow guitar beat from the Alchemist, it's just, it's a flat out amazing, mesmerizing moment to kick off the album. Not to mention Frank Lucas featuring Benny, man. Oh, yeah. Woo! Fire. Seriously, this is a hot plate of spaghetti, and it's just, it's in pièce de résistance. Amazing. I don't think that Freddie, honestly, this has to be his best work because the yeah. quality of Alfredo is 
out of this world. The work to for him to work with another producer and create something as fresh and delicious as this is not going to happen. Seriously, this is the best freaking food on the menu, my dude. And <laughs> I it, I think it's going to be hard to reproduce something as good as this. And at least in the short term, don't get me wrong, Freddie Gibbs has got talent and he's going to be able to put out a lot of good stuff. He hasn't stopped too. You know, he had this single with Big Sean and recently on YouTube he dropped that other uh, single from his hotel room. So yeah. I'm keeping my ears and eyes open because I'm ready for ESGN too. Oh yeah. And this is, Oh man, it's it's going to blow me away because I know for a fact, when I first listened to ESGN the first time around, I knew that Gibbs was, uh, he's going to stick around. This is a man ready Mm -hmm. to keep on playing the game. So yes, I will say Alfredo is to me the number one album of the year. No doubt about it. Yeah. Freddie is just, you know, again, when you're making this type of list here, the groove that the rapper has to be in to make it, it, you just have to be perfect, right? So like Benny was incredible. Conway was incredible. Freddie's swag on this album is just through the roof from what I've heard before from Freddie. Now, look, Freddie's always confident, right? Absolutely. But he just executes it perfectly here, right? Like a line will, where he says, you know, we'll never let the industry demasculinize me. I do murder bareface. Don't need no mask to disguise me through my effing in the stash, think the crackers behind me. It's just Freddie. It's amazing. Like he, it's also, it's like he's saying a joke at the same time that he's being completely menacing. And through all of it, he just sounds cool. It takes a long time to develop that type of persona. And not necessarily it's a persona. I think this is just who Freddie is, but being able to put it together on a song and in your lyrics and in your voice and in your flow, like that's a completely different level. And I guess, you know, there's also a bit of an opposites attract vibe going on between the beats from The Alchemist and Freddie's performance. A track like Look At Me or Something to Rap About, it's a very relaxed beat, right? And it honestly, I think if you just took the instrumental, you would have thought like, oh, this is from a completely different genre. Not to mention that Freddie is just rapping super aggressively on the entire of these these songs here where you're like, oh, like it's, it's like it's its own genre, right? It's like this laid back hotel music but then freddie is just there waxing poetic menacingly the entire way so please tell me like i i have to know what is your number one yeah i was um a smidge disappointed you had it as an honorable mention but uh oh no rtj4 oh, i should have yeah it's um yeah holy shit <laughs> This album <laughs> dropped at a moment in time where the world needed to hear what Killer Mike and LP needed to say. And what was so damn crazy about you know this album here is so much of what Killer Mike said in particular was that you know stuff like that was written months in advance of the murder of George Floyd and the protests during the summer. But but these moments they, they were even more relevant when he dropped them. It's just it was almost like he was tragically clairvoyant. And you know, we can go back and forth between Killer Mike's bars and LP's production. So I'll start with Killer Mike here because he's just he is on another freaking level here. You know again, I know I feel like I've been saying it a lot here, but we're doing a top albums of the year. So we're going to be talking about incredible MCs from Conway to Benny to Freddie and out to Killer Mike. So I will save my notes on walking in the snow for a late, the next podcast. It's a little like a little foreshadowing there. So I'll I'll focus on a few words for the firing squad, one of my favorite songs of the entire year. So Mike's bars here, again, you can take any which bars, but you know, it's it's crippling, make you want to lean on a cup of promethazine, but my queen says she need a king, not another junkie, funky rapper fiend. Friends tell her he could be another Malcolm, he could be another Martin. She told her partner, I need a husband more than the world need another martyr. 
I don't know how you think of lines like that, where you're talking a about the modern era of trap music, where then you are bringing up social activists such as Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. And then you're bringing up your relationship with your wife and how important it is for her, for you to be just a normal guy. And then like the next line on that verse, he just talks about, you know, writing the martyr, the, the public transit system in Atlanta. Like this all happens within six bars of each other. It's absolutely wild. And then just, I feel like when people talk about RTJ4, they talk mostly about LP's production, but his verses here are also great. So on Just, he brings up, of course, you know, the murder of Eric Garner, where he says, beep, beep, Richie, this is New York City, the X on the map where the pain keeps hitting. By the way, double entendre with ecstasy. Just us ducks here, sitting, where murderous chokehold cops still earning a living. So, you know, LP's production on this album, again, besides The Alchemist, it's probably some of the best I've heard this year. The 808s on Just are probably, for me, it's like one of the most memorable sounds on the entire year from hip-hop, at least from an instrument or like a tool that is like so commonly used, right? Like an 808, you can go to any trap album, you'll hear a ton of 808s, but nothing sounds as good as the opening beats from Just. And then the outro on a few words from the firing squad, it's just such a cool way to end the album, right? The Yankee and the Brave kind of like cartoonish ending, right? Where it just, it makes you, and this is like a slick Wu-Tang thing that they did back in the day, right? Where I think it was, I think it was Protect Your Neck, right? Where the way the song opens, I might be getting the track wrong. It's definitely a 36 Chamber song. It's where the, the track begins, right? Where someone's like, you know, they call into the radio station like, oh, I want to hear the Wu-Tang. Oh, Wu-Tang again, again, and again, right? So right away, you're like, oh, I just want to keep listening to it over and over again. That's how the the outro on A Few Words for the Firing Squad feels to me. When it ends, I'm like, oh, it's like our heroes are going off into the, the distance. I'm like, well, I can just restart from track one and they're right back to where they were. And look, I can I can go on and on and on about this album. So I will save it. Um, I will have one more point. And this is because I brought this up when we did this also on episode one of the podcast. So it's actually funny. Episode one of the podcast, we talked about all three albums then and we talked about them all now between unlocked rtj foreign circles i am on the record when i said the first 20 to 25 seconds of holy kalama is my favorite part of the year in hip-hop and that is definitely still true because my goodness that beat i don't know what they sampled but eventually it grows into something else but like if they could just have that entire like it's like seconds like 10 to 20 like on a loop it's just absolutely flooring i don't i think this is rtj's best work i think it just slightly edges out rtj2 but like, man, if they give us RTJ5 one day, I'll be super thankful for it. But right now, I just keep going back to this album because it's just such a marvel. Man, you really, really hit the nail on the head with that. I don't think there's anybody else who could possibly describe a number one album like you just did. Yeah, it's just and so that we can like slowly start wrapping this up now. I think from our lists here, you know, if, if somebody, you know, an alien dropped down to earth and is like, what is rap music? And they, they looked at our top five lists. You would see a lot of lyricism, which I think it goes in line with what we enjoy with our music. Like we didn't, we didn't have little baby or we didn't have Uzi. We didn't have the baby, even though like those guys make catchy songs and we're going to talk about some of them in our next episode. But for the most part, the highest quality music we got this year was generally when a guy worked with one producer, so I'm just looking at your list here, right? You have Unlocked, which is produced entirely by Kenny Beats. Circles, produced entirely by John Bryan and Mac Miller. Burden of Proof, produced entirely by Hitboy. And Alfredo, of course, produced entirely by The Alchemist. And then my top four is similar, right? I have the same producer every time, right? Of course, RTJ4 is produced entirely by LP. 
you had Limbo in your number five spot. It has many producers and I had from King to a God. So that's a bit of a trend we're seeing, right? Mm-hmm. Where on one end, you can be like, look, the best chemistry we get is when one guy and one producer link up and that's just the perfect sound. And then on the flip side, you're like, well, hold on. That means Conway and Amine did something really special this year because they were able to put together a cohesive project that just like merged into something incredible, even though they had, I mean, I haven't counted, but six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 different producers. So there's no perfect formula, but it definitely seems like working with one producer might be a bit more of an advantage. So that might be something, and I'm sure we've learned this from years prior, but that's something in my analysis of breaking down these lists of, oh, if you have a unifying sound on an album, which is usually made easier by having one producer, you are likely to get better results. What do you think of that, Christian? I don't know. Honestly, it's uh, it's a hell of a question, actually, because when it comes down to the production quality of the albums and the songs themselves, most of the time I'd be content with just one producer. As you said it yourself, a lot of our albums that we like are just one guy. One guy, one artist, that's it, that's all. But having multiple producers on an album also creates that variety. Yeah. You don't necessarily get the same structure from A to Z, and that's nice. It's nice to get it a change up, but it, not everybody can do it. I mean, they did a really, really good job, and uh, don't get me wrong, Conway also did as well. But there are also a few other people who do it really well. I mean, listen, think about it. West Side Gun dropped three albums this year. Oh, yeah. They're not all the same producer on every single track. Mm-hmm. Still did a good job. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, yeah, and we can go on and on. This is going to be a fun debate, maybe in the future episode of what's better, you know, variety of many producers, something like the Carter Three, or where you just lock one producer in a room with one artist and be like, hey, can you guys make Alfredo part two? Thanks. Oh, so that's definitely something I want. All right. So I think, Christian, unless you have anything else, I think we can wrap it up here for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with part two of our year in review, which will include our 2020 MVPs. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to our YouTube channel for more great content. As we've been mentioning, we started putting out videos more recently. And this past week, we put out a review of Boldy James' Real Bad Boldy. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on any future reviews. We're hoping to continue to upload more content as we continue to grow. As usual, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Trinity Music Pod. Until the next one, have a good one.